Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards like, some greater purpose? The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. This is Michael Mann, and I ride with Extended Clip. Welcome to Extended Clip. Episode 249, I am one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. And on today's podcast, we are back with our old buddy, Ricky Romeo, Eric Romare, everybody's favorite Frenchman who just loves to surround himself with beautiful women until the day he died. I saw a Romer film once. It was kind of like watching paint dry. The movie's by a French director named Eric Romay. Who- <laughs> this is not unlike many of his other films from this period. This is Boyfriends and Girlfriends, or at least that is the American title, which really loses the oomph of the original title in French, which directly translates to uh, My Girlfriend's Boyfriend, uh, oh. and is a similar type of pun in French. And I don't really know why the Americans ruined the name by changing it to girlfriends and boyfriends it's like the pun my girlfriend's boyfriend still works the same as like uh you know uh les amis the amis or whatever it would be yeah. in french like my girlfriend's boyfriend is such a funny like yeah. yeah it's it's that's a great pun and it's like the whole point of the movie is this whole like farcical kind of uh, musical chairs type character uh romantic comedy drama type thing and i i think the the kind of farcical name works better than boyfriends and girlfriends which is a bit more over serious for what this film actually is which is of romare's uh comedies and proverbs it's probably one of the comedies especially for the way it wraps up i mean obviously it has proverbial elements if you could say that but uh, we got, proverbs. You know, also, got plenty yeah. of proverbs i uh, know but it, it has its serious moments it's not a comedy the way it's like uh you know romare's not out there making an adam sandler movie but it's a comedy <laughs> in the dramatic sense uh and borrows a lot from like classic french farce especially in the final or really in the whole structure of it it really feels like romare's version of a fraser episode uh the way that it almost is like door slamming farce but instead of doors slamming in a cabin it's people walking in and out of uh you know french vacation side cafes and it's uh it's a very fun movie this boyfriends and girlfriends jt you brought it to the pod you've been reading about this fella uh, why this movie uh, what's your what's your thing here what's uh, your deal yeah <laughs> i uh, i've been reading the the old book on uh, ricky romeo right here uh that uh came out i think in like 2010 shortly after he had died um wait he died yeah no he's no longer with us pour one out um but didn't even know he was sick (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i don't know i've been trying to work through the rest of his filmography originally i was going to try and tackle it by like the order in which uh they were made as I was reading through the book, but I was like, I don't know, that's slow going. Like it's, it was ruining, like just, I don't know. It's taking up a long fucking time. It with took the book. you two weeks to watch the movie under the sign of Leo. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, under the sign of Leo is like bad ish. Like it's yeah. there. It's fun from like the auteur's perspective to be like, okay, what's, what's he cooking here? How is this similar to his like later yeah. work? But like, he's trying a little hard with like camera subs. That's like his most, feels like the earlier stuff is like more like professional like film crew Mm. things and he slowly throughout his career kind of like relaxes a little bit strips down his style to the essentials reading reading, uh the romare book in general it just i feel like makes me think of like romare gets compared to hong i would say fairly often well the inverse i would say for semantics heads out there yeah semantic fans (laughs) <laughs> um hey i think the fans of those directors are often semantics heads yes so. yeah true <laughs> um and so it's just interesting to see throughout the elements of production romare i mean i would definitely say he was getting more money than hong does to make movies but the way in which he sort of builds a cast is really fun this one i was interested in because uh sophie renoir i believe the granddaughter of uh, Jean Renoir is in it. And I I don't know. It it sounded like an interesting setup. Uh, There is a very detailed section of the book 
uh, devoted to talking about the name of the town that it was shot in. It was like clergy something else um, where like Romare was really attracted to it because it's this sort of like very new like city town part. And there are these buildings coming up that he waited uh, till they were finished because he liked, I don't know, there's sort of a cold style to the buildings in here. And it's funny because the people, the the government officials that are part of the town are like, oh, this is sick. This makes our town look great. Uh, but also it's certainly going for like kind of a hard, like harder critique of it at points with sort of how cold and kind of plain it will look, especially compared to like the nature scenes. Uh, we get in this. And I thought that was an interesting aspect of production. But to return to the parts that I feel like are similar to the way Hong directs actors is uh, Romare would oftentimes just uh, get like actors and actresses who were the types of people that were like basically like the characters. Mm -hmm. And he would just sort of like like he would he would come in with a script and things like that but he would sort of mold and finesse like their personalities into the character and have a heavy like improvisational element to it um and i think that's i don't know it's just a really fun playful element of romare's style and then just also his like preoccupation with youth and young people and just the way that like he as a man is like so entirely different from that like he ne- like Romare uh, is a fake name. His uh, real name was like Maurice Scherer, um, and totally kept separate uh, that part of his life. I mean, a lot of that is because he was worried his his mom would be incredibly disappointed in him <laughs> if he was like involved with like film and filmmaking. Uh, and after she dies, he sort of loosens up like a little bit, and occasionally will like make a public appearance or two. I was drawn to this one because it seemed like an interesting work from a filmmaker I love and admire, uh, and I had a great time. What did, what did you boys think? First, like, Malcolm, initial initial impression, anything going into this? Well, yeah, I didn't uh, know much, but to be honest, once you've seen enough Romare, you kind of know what to yeah. expect. And Every film's the same, and every film's different, basically. Exactly, yeah, and, um, you know, you got to... You got to know that going in. You got to prepare yourself for the type of movie you're going to watch. Um, but, you know, with Romare, it's, it's always pleasant. And this one's, uh, you know, no different. It's always pleasant even when it's not, you know, even when it's, you know, kind of him de- dealing with more difficult things. Just kind of his visual sensibilities and his, you know, knack for um, making very detailed and very character-orientated uh, movies. <clears throat> and this one... Um, I think it has, you know, it has a little bit more surprises, you know, than, you know, you'd think maybe. Uh, one being kind of like, yeah, what you guys described, kind of the the new shopping center that is uh, heavily featured in the movie and kind of how it um, seems to, how that seems to be where a lot of the action happens and a lot of the characters' lives, uh, you know, happens in this shopping center. And then kind of uh, what Eddie was getting at, yeah, there's kind of like a lighter sitcom-ish episode quality to this, but that it's, you know, stretched out and, you know, evaluated uh, in, like, a feature length. But, like, even the way the the movie starts, you kind of get an introduction with the characters and where they work and, like, a little title card. You know what I mean? Uh, you comparing it Unusual to Unusual opening credits for Romare. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, no, it is very, like, sitcom over the theme song, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, you. I didn't quite put that together, but I, I, I made note of the introduction because it is a little less usual, you know, not as usual style. Not that I, I, I can't necessarily think of a usual style Romare opening, but it's not a sitcom-esque style. So, yeah, you kind of... There's some. This is like a great. He usually has titles over a primary color background, like okay, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, like. A, but I, I could be proving wrong here because I, I can obviously also think of some where the text is on screen over an image. But for the most part, I feel like uh, what Hong took from him uh, was at least in the moral tales, you see them on like a, a plain colored background. The text usually for yeah. these opening credit sequences, and even into the eighties, you see that like in uh, 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 un bu- in 
une beau marriage or a good marriage. God damn, dude. Madame Pancow, my ninth grade French teacher, is going to smack the shit out of me. Did I ever tell you guys that my, my little sister had the same French teacher as me like five years later and the French teacher kept talking shit about me. Damn. She was just like, oh, you're such a better student than your brother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they gave her that like sem- vaguely African voice there, but that's probably why I did so poorly in French. Is That's truly it is like the, the written shit. I would get an A on everything, but I, I couldn't fake the accent and I would basically get in fights with this teacher over her trying to shape my accent. Like, like no, the, I'm saying this the right way. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because it's like, very it's like very annoying when you're just trying to get through fucking ninth grade french and your teacher's treating you like whiplash you know (laughs) yeah yeah undo cat sink again again language classes man that's like it's too hard hard. i can't conceptualize learning another language that seems like yeah no i think to do I had to do that in junior college to transfer. I had to take like a, or not had to, I think it was either that or uh, something else that I didn't want to do even less. Uh, So I did like a year of Spanish in community college. And I was like, this is community college. Every class is the easiest class you've ever taken. (laughs) And I still struggled with that Spanish class. (laughs) It it was, it was rough. Like it's, it's a hard thing to start learning when you're fucking 22. Yeah, exactly. You know, this, I'm still learning, this is the classic. I'm still learning the English language. I'm still messing up day to day. But uh, with that piece of light humor, I have to say, just to sum up what I was talking about, this is like a, a nice light humor movie for sure. Like this, yeah. this, oh, yeah. this falls under uh, like that that banner. And I feel like, uh, like a lot of like the great moments are just like kind of just like light little touches that will just uh, give a scene an accent as, you know, Romare's kind of known to do. And that's kind of like the, the, the big moments, like the, the big moments of enjoyment you're supposed to take out of it are kind of just like these small touches. And I don't know. I, I always find myself enjoying them. Uh, so boyfriends and girlfriends, we didn't really get into the plot here, <laughs> but our main four players here are uh, Blanche, an office worker for the city, uh, Leah, a student, Fabienne, her lover, and Alexandre, kind of both of their crush, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so basically in a very, the, the plot, it's like, a, it's more like Woody Allen than Hong here where the romantic entanglements are kind of telegraphed by oh, the 20 yeah. minute mark. Like you could basically add 20 minutes in, you could be like, well, there's only X amount of possibilities that can happen for the rest of the movie. But I'm here for the ride because the writing is so good. The performances are so good. The style is so good. It's it's Romare's usual style, but uh, obviously different because of the architectural differences. There's a dynamic of the film where some of it is in these new office parks and shopping centers and the apartment building of uh, Blanche where we see like that great open unfinished building behind it uh, out through the window and it's very Antonioni-esque. Uh, but then you also have some stuff in more vacation towns too, like toward the end, especially. And whenever these people want to get out of town, because French people, if they do anything, it's go on vacation. Mm-hmm. These people, whether or not they have a job, whether or not they have money, they are on vacation about 12, 15 weeks a year, probably. Uh, and I admire it greatly. So yeah, there, there's a great dynamic between like the lakeside kind of vacation type stuff and the uh, very cold and new and Antonioni-esque uh, like views of the modern architecture. And I really enjoyed that. Another aesthetic layer to this is the costuming. I feel like it's some of the most intentional costuming that uh, Romare has done, especially toward the end when he really leans into the farce with each of the uh, couples kind of wearing mismatched uh, clothing as if they ended up with the wrong people or something. Uh, or, you know, they ended up with the right people and that's just how chaotic everything is. But it's it's a very funny, clever thing to have them in semi, like quasi-matching outfits at the very end when it's all resolved there. Yeah, no, I love that little button. It's just, it's a cute, like, little cheeky thing to yeah. a movie itself where it's just like, again, 
hallmark light humor. Yeah. You're just, you're going to be watching this movie. You're going to have the biggest smirk on your face. Maybe there will be one mirthful chuckle, but that's about it. Like, and I don't know. It's just a, yeah, I was, I had a really pleasant time with this. I do think for me, the, I mean, it's beautiful throughout, but I really love uh, all of the like woods and sort of lake stuff, mm-hmm. especially when it's like Blanche and Fabian talking, and you just get like the gl- like yeah. it lo- they're just like surrounded by the glistening water in the background. There's that there. great shot where uh, Fabian is like kind of professing his admiration for Blanche and trying to kiss her, and Romare is shooting it from a higher angle where they're both down on the boardwalk. So yeah all you see is their faces and water and like you don't see any like you don't see what they're sitting on or anything and i don't know the way he's able to frame that is so great and it's different and dynamic for him in ways that we've never seen with the wind gliding or wind surfing stuff where <laughs> you get these shots where you're just like on a boat doing circles around them windsurfing it's like whoa where did this come they're like action filmmaking all of a sudden yeah, you know, I, I, I really liked the windsurfing that was a fun surprise there that and the the tennis scene kind of stood out to me, yeah. just as like, okay, Romer, tennis was great. Romer's getting into sports a little bit, you know what I mean? Uh, it's it's not it's not an environment I've really uh, seen him explore. And yeah, the, the man was an athlete. He yeah. loved to uh, run. Apparently, I was just reading. Well, running doesn't make you an athlete. I mean, that just makes you in shape. That's athletic. That's a that's a thing. It's something. I, he played. Running's not a he sport. He did play I'm basketball okay, early on. They cool. talk about that. Yeah, that's cool. Now that I know that Ro- Ricky Romeo is dropping dimes, <laughs> <laughs> he played like Ricky Rubio. <laughs> he seemed like tall and slender. He'd be. I could post him up for sure. He'd be soft. He should have hooped instead of making movies yeah. about emotional girls. <laughs> He was tall as hell. Uh, I, Eddie, I think you mentioned earlier that, like, you know, you could kind of see where everything was going to end up in terms of kind of like which characters are going to be with each other. And it just kind of got me thinking, like, what what is like the plot of this movie and what kind of like extends it into like a feature length kind of thing? And most of it really is kind of the Blanche is character, her kind of like social ineptitude, you know, kind of, yeah. her, you know, maybe that's even too harsh of a term, but just her uh, inability failure. to failure, kind of, her failure, her romantic <laughs> failure. If you try to talk to someone and they, it kind of is weird, it's 10 times worse than what you actually thought from their perspective. They're like, what a monster. And everyone else in the restaurant or cafe oh, was also watching. Everyone else is even scarier. That's the, that's it. That's the, yeah cherries on top anytime you're in public people are watching you yeah exactly be be on the lookout um and that's what blanche is thinking you know what i mean it's uh she's she's basically you know um you know got two guys one of them the the uh, the boyfriend of you know one of her friends got two guys very willing to um you know talk to her at the very least but she's just kind of lay it down on the line yeah lay, lay it down on the line uh you know get romantic uh with her and uh they, you know, she just doesn't seem to, you know, pick up on the cues or just, you know, I think that happens like at least two or three times. And it's just kind of, uh, I don't know, Romer's dedicated to, you know, you think of something like the Green Ray, you know what I mean? He loves a, a woman who cannot communicate with the world, who feels like the world yeah. is just too overwhelming for them. You know, just anything, whether, you know, just the way people talk to each other is just setting them off. And, you know, that's, you know, you got to have... I appreciate Romer's sensitivity, and most are not that sensitive. I feel like what sets the Green Ray apart from this film, mm-hmm. though, is that here you have a few moments of interiority with Blanche, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you have that moment where she cries in front of the mirror, and that's really when you get, other than the fact that she has the first scene of the movie, that's the only real evidence that she is the protagonist up to that point. It's a very even-handed movie. And that's when we start getting the interiority. And I don't think we ever get that breakthrough into catharsis that we do with the Green Ray. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what holds this film back ultimately from being like a top tier type Romare where it's still very good and very light. And that is, I think, both its strength and not its detriment, but maybe what holds it back from being a classic kind of, you know, I would definitely agree with that. I do love, uh, when Romare is able to probe into that level of like interiority and depth. I think, I don't know. Romare at his like most masterful is just, 
an old gentleman so removed from like all of i mean not necessarily but like lives so removed from just modern culture just sort of observing that he's able to build these like very intense uh studies that i feel like do tackle a lot of like problems that people have like relationship wise in modern living uh but this and again i would agree like i think it's both a strong aspect of the film and something why it's not like among my like top tier favorites of his is because this is more like it, it is light it's like just doing like a i don't know fun little foibles of life like yeah. romance stuff and i think there's little one-offs through his filmography that are kind of little trifles or experiments and sometimes they end up being one of his best movies and sometimes they're even not as good as this and sometimes they're as good as this like i think this is really good mm-hmm. then there's something like the marquee of O, which i think is pretty good but it's definitely a notch below this one even i would say but i respect it as an experiment then you have something like the tree the mayor and the media tech which i think is kind of like a masterpiece and also unlike almost anything else in his filmography and so like when he's kind of going a little more off the beaten path because he has these cycles of films that are easily tied together uh even with this being one of the comedies and proverbs like i feel like usually people more associate the other films of that cycle uh with him and then he has moral tales and all the seasons ones and uh, there there's an easy familiar rhythm to get into but i feel like the odds and ends of his filmography that really round it all out are always so interesting and yeah i think this one's very fun i could see myself going back to it and enjoying it even more frankly uh but for now i am going to give it a hard high three and a half bullets from america to france very nice jt what about you uh i think i'm gonna go uh four bullets with this one i'm cracking open the book because there's something really funny uh about this one that was mentioned where it was like this is romare was canceled or uh there was uh yeah in august 26 1987 when boyfriends and girlfriends came out one of the rare polemics over a film of romare's erupted it was all the more rare because it was overtly political it was just someone uh wrote a long article uh describing why romare is racist uh, which is very like I mean, <laughs> obviously, like it's just like it's just like talking about like the bullshit about like oh he only cares about like lackadaisical white Parisians mm-hmm. and it's just like come on buddy of course of course and then later on it there's a a really funny sort of like I think pers- like a diatribe that Romare wrote where he doesn't he hates smoking he's like I do not privilege the smoker. My films are about the non-smoker. It's uh, just a very, uh, again, uh, he's so ancient of a man and his beliefs that he will go against perhaps the most French thing, smoking a cigarette. Wow. You're telling me Eric Romer wrote the Don Draper Lucky Strike uh, op-ed type thing where Don (laughs) Draper uh, swears off cigarettes? That's, that's, That's pretty... I'd like I'd like to receive a newspaper where Romare just had articles in it. That's pretty sick. Yeah, no, I would love to again. If his criticism uh, wasn't like just writing about, you know, Renoir and Hitchcock and stuff and instead was just like French people stop smoking. Yeah, yeah. I want I want opinion columns, you know, (laughs) Uh, Malcolm. Yeah. Any final thoughts on this film and rating? Uh, yeah, I'll give it, uh, four bullets just because I feel like, I don't know, but I, I can't even name them off top, but I feel like sometimes, you know, I've watched a Romer film and like, it's, it's been good, but like, it felt just very within his wheelhouse. And I guess this one's not exactly too different from that, but I feel like just by changing a few aspects, uh, kind of like, you know, with the emphasis on the shopping center and kind of, uh, you know, Kind of like I, we were discussing that, you know, um, something like the Green Ray, like it kind of focuses focuses on the interiority the whole time. And uh, this one's a little bit more lighter. And so you kind of get more broader characters. And I kind of like the broad character work, especially with like the boyfriend, especially, I guess, maybe with Alexandre. You know what I mean? I feel like um, 
when he's broken up with his girlfriend, kind of the 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 fifth beetle of the movie. I forgot uh, Alexandra's girlfriend who uh, gets a couple scenes there. Actually, gets one of the more notable scenes at the end where she basically admits that she was just dating Alexandre to upset all the other art school students that she goes to school with. <laughs> and, uh, and that's definitely Ro- Romare. Uh, I don't know. They're, they're, it is kind of funny. Like you could tell Rom- Romare who takes relationships very seriously, but he, he recognizes these are, you know, young people. It's not that seriousness that serious, you know, there's kind of a, a lightness to the, to the swap that happens at the end. And I, I think that scene is, you know, no, no different. I think it's just, it's just really funny. Just kind of a, an outsider, someone who's kind of been an outsider in the movie and you kind of just get their perspective of it, you know, and uh, especially when Alexandre at, at the beginning, there's like 20 minutes straight where the, the two uh, lead actresses talk about Alexandre and it's really funny. And it's just like, this guy is the talk of the town, man, you know, and, and, and he's Al- the man, he's and, a hunk. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and I think it's funny because obviously that is like what drives the desire of him up kind of just the way, that he's talked about amongst the friend group. And I think Romer's very uh, in tune with that. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a lot to enjoy here and I, I was entertained throughout. And I think uh, Romer's style is just something that you could, uh, I mean, it just goes down so smoothly and it's, uh, it's so effortless. It seems so effortless, but there's like an exactness to it. And I, I think that's a, that's a hard thing to balance. You know, sometimes you could, when things are a little too organized in the shot, it could feel a bit, um, controlling, but I think it all feels natural with Romer, and you know that's why uh, that's why he's praised. That's why I praise him. We praise Romer. <laughs> uh, we'll be right back on extended yeah, clip. It's so exciting to have a big crowd to see uh, an Eric Romer film on a Wednesday night in Austin, Texas. I just I love it. Um, I look forward to this film. It's kind of like I was thinking on the way over here. I'm experiencing this film within this series the way I experienced Romer films in the. 80s. They're kind of these beautiful summer breezy palate cleansers to all the nastiness in the uh, <laughs> in the 80s. <laughs> they're very different. If you think of the characters in this movie, um, they're the kind of characters that John Carpenter a few weeks ago would have loved to have killed. Uh, <laughs> the, the Green Ray, which is one of my f- favorite films, and, and Romer is a very, very important filmmaker to me. And when I write, I usually don't think of films. I, I'm not a kind of filmmaker who has like references while he's writing. I, I don't try to make my films look like, you know, uh, heritage or this or that director. Uh, but if there was one film that I couldn't help thinking of while I was writing Things to Come, it's uh, The Green Ray, uh, because um, it's, all, it's also this portrait of a woman who, who has to go through a summer. Quick jerk. Um, <laughs> I, was, I, I remember as a, as a kid, I, I watched Scrubs and I like when I was 12, I watched like all of Scrubs, the Zach mm-hmm. Braff. Show. Oh, I, I yeah. did the same thing when I was 12. I think it was, I think it was finishing up airing at that time. Okay. Like I remember there was a, a spinoff season that happened at the end. Yeah. Yes, there was. Uh, that has, uh, fuck. Who's the young is Dave for, no, not there's a Franco in, uh, the Scrubs it has to be either uh, Dave or James, season. right? I don't know. Uh, it's Dave. It's Dave. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's Dave Franco. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What? Okay. So, but continue yeah. your twelve-year-old Scrubs. Well, story. I mean, I think obviously, I fucking, I don't even know why, but I hate Zach Braff like now, and like, uh, I just have a distaste for him. I guess just rewatch. I would never see myself rewatching it. And literally, the only, the the only, there's only two things I remember. The only joke I remember, I think it was towards the beginning of the show, and like some characters like nervous cause they're working in a, in a hospital. And then like the John C. McGinley characters, like just go jerk off. It'll like calm your nerves. And they like go to like jerk off in the bathroom and then something funny happens, but it's like, it's fucking crazy, man. That's a, that's a, it's a crazy sitcom development. I'll give them credit there. That's a pretty, some pretty nasty stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> I, uh, the, the idea of rewatching scrubs for like just to torture myself <laughs> has crossed my mind like a lot. Like, I don't know, just cause I, I watched the whole thing and definitely enjoyed it when I was in middle school Same, and yeah. felt the, felt the deep moments when Dr. Cox, John C. McGinley can't save all three pa- 
three patients die in one day and the phrase <laughs> how to save a life is just okay. blaring yeah. as the camera spins <laughs> around him that that's that's tragic I don't know how else to call it. <laughs> I don't, um, I don't but, remember specific moments like that, but I do remember like the music cues like that. Oh yeah, yeah no. Yeah. They uh what was the oh, fuck I'm no Superman oh, yeah. song? Well, Classic. The other moment I was gonna say that I remember was like towards the end, it's like the worst thing ever. It's like like one of the character does like characters does it like a folk cover or just an acoustic oh, cover yes, of yes, Hey yes. Ya by Outcast and it's is like, it like it's a like a cappella. Yeah, it's a cappella. Oh yeah, it's a, no you're right. It is a cappella even worse. So it, it, I, it's it's so much more of Scrubs is just planted in my brain. <laughs> We're talking Scrubs. You should just make this a Scrubs cast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would I've be, seen probably 5 episodes of Scrubs. That, would it be a good idea for me to start watching Scrubs now? No. Then I think I should. Malcolm and I we, that's our that's going to be our like spin-off oh, you guys are going to do the side the pod? cast. I'll guest once in a while. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. If you want to do the ultimate, you know, we're all about reclaimables like if you like from a stock market standpoint, it oh, might yeah. it might be Scrubs is like so low like if you buy some Scrubs stock Maybe 10 years later, you'll be a rich man. Who knows? I think there's going to be some sort of Zach Braff, like, healing project thing. Where he's healing just project. A, he's, like, he's a sensitive guy who just wanted to make art. He's he's an indie filmmaker. <laughs> well, he uh, already did that. Yeah. Uh, well, there's been, like... Garden State. But he's made movies since then. Oh, okay. I and that people, that. the people will be... One day, we're, we're just buying in early. Yeah, We exactly. start with the Scrubs, our Scrubs podcast, and then... Uh, once we fit, that's perfect. Once we finish the run of scrubs, <laughs> we have the Zach Braff, uh, directorial, uh, filmography. Exactly. Boom. That's a lot. That, that's, it's like 300 episodes right there. What song is he showing her in that movie? Garden state. Uh, what song is she listening to on the CD player? Is it a shins song? Oh yeah. Sh- yeah I don't know yeah. the song, but I know it's a shin song. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, we're back on extended <laughs> clip. Uh, it's Malcolm and Scrubs. It's uh, Turk in the middle. Uh, <laughs> how could you forget Turk? <laughs> how could you forget beloved Turk? Uh, Malcolm, you see anything good recently? Or are you just watching Scrubs like a fucking fool? <laughs> uh, you know what? The, we were referring to twelve-year-old me, you know. Now I would, I would never, I would never watch Scrub. But I guess we are going to watch Scrub. So I, I guess yes, I am. But um, I, I guess I'll- even if we weren't doing the Scrubs cast, which is very real, by the way, uh, I, I just see myself flying to LA to visit my family. I go to Santa Clarita. I get the address from Scott, and I go surprise Malcolm, and he's just fucking gooning Scrubs gooning. like he has. Three screens, all scrubs, yeah. <laughs> multi-cam scrubs, being like season five, season just three, eight season notebooks one. open, just like, dude, I figured it out. <laughs> that hey, that that blonde lady from Scrubs, I remember, you know, she was she was quite the looker back when I was twelve, you know. So, um, no, I will not Worth be the three-screen experience, yeah, not, Eddie. Cut it out. I'm not masturbating to scrubs. You got to stop oh, saying. I didn't, no, when I say gooning, I always just mean doing something obsessively. I don't mean actually jacking off. Gooning, I think gooning. I think. I think you. I think gooning implies jacking off. I think gooning is a masturbatory practice. I thought that it, it just implied that you were like going crazy at it, like doing it all the time. Uh, no, I think it's. I think it's like when you have like. Like eight or like, like a have eight setups or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's because that's what I do on Sundays with the NFL. That exactly. Is. Yeah, gooning to football. <laughs> that's yeah. good. It's red zone gooning. It's yeah. it's <laughs> fucked that gooning is a term that everyone uses now. Like that's that's like that's like bad that society has just accepted gooning and we're all making gooning jokes. Not to be like reactionary, but it's like come on, we got to draw the line somewhere. Um, but I'll do a little rehashery, little rehashery, because it's the only movie I've seen since recordings. I saw The Killer, directed by David yeah. uh, David Fincher. And uh, man, what a movie. I I was expecting to like it, but it, I don't know. I, I, I was just really, I feel like I really felt this movie and uh, kind of, I don't know, maybe it's just kind of, you know, Fincher doing uh, the solo man, you know, kind of internal monologue style movie, you know, this... Uh, man against the world but kind of just the different uh i don't know i i can't really say anything that you guys didn't already say but i was just impressed by how fincher while maintaining a great sense of humor 
still paints kind of like this dark portrait of modern life, you know, with Amazon lockers and um, all this technology and stuff like that. And it's, it seems like, uh, I don't know, Fincher's kind of like saying like, you know, uh, modern life is, is pretty good for all the killers in the world. You know what I mean? It's, (laughs) it's, it's set up for all the, the guys doing uh, fucked up shit like that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, business is a ruthless business as Chaplin once said. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it is, it is a shame that this is going, um, straight to Netflix. Cause I feel like, uh, it's a type of movie that you kind of really need to soak in its mood and you could do that at home, of course, but yeah. I feel like people are less, are just more likely are going to just be more open when they're in the theater, just less distracted. Like, I feel like this, it's the type of movie, if you look at your phone for like, 10 minutes of the runtime like you're just not gonna get it like get the point yeah. i feel like you really need to uh be alone with it so uh you know i, I feel like all of fincher's movies are like that like yeah. his formal control casts a spell that when you break away from it you really do lose a lot and i say that just like sure you can make that case for any film yeah before, but i don't know there's something about when you're really locked into fincher and trying to pay attention to all the camera setups like what the angle choices are and the cuts and everything it's like it can really lure you in to a point where you don't want to look at anything else and yeah looking at your phone for 10 out of 130 minutes will kill you on this yeah so yeah it is i think chief keith once tweeted you can't Watch a movie, look at your phone at the same time. He was right. You know what I mean? He was right. He was right. right. Yeah, and obviously I love, uh, you know, the Smith soundtrack is really fun. And uh, there's just certain scenes that, like, stick out to me. Like, I love the Florida kind of trap house scene or Mm. whatever we get with the killer. And it's just, it's fun seeing... uh, I like the way the movie's structured with, like, the countries and the chapters. And you kind of, I don't know, just getting... Fincher and all these different environments and just how he depicts them. Like, I, it's just like the, the Florida depiction is, is so funny. Like, it's just, I don't know. Like that's, it's almost like, like a caricature S of like what you think like a Florida guy is like, but, mm-hmm. I, I, but this, I don't know. It's delivered with like, um, you know, great intensity as like the violence gets more, uh, you know, as they confront each other in the scene. Like I love the violence in that. And yeah, I don't know. This is something I want to watch again. You know, I think everyone says Fincher, you know, you got to rewatch. I think it's true. And uh, yeah, I, d- I don't really have that much to say, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm on the bandwagon with everyone else, except for Brody, I guess. Richard Brody. Oh, did Brody dislike uh. it? I think he said something like, yeah, it's too like Benjamin Button. And he, and like he could feel what? like the moralizing. He's like, He's like, oh, there's like a, 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 a like a twinge of moralizing that I, I he, come I, on. I guess he a said, but did it there better. is moralizing. I love like, moralizing. Yeah, Tell me Fincher's what's wrong. Always right. I need to be moral. Fincher has always been right. Let me, I don't let, know what you, why you would complain about the moralizing. Let me get the exact quote on it. So yeah, I'm we're not, gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pound Richard Brody's ass on the pod right now. Not to misquote the man. Because uh, oh, I think he's a good critic. He just has fraudulent moments. Well, you know, that why, you know, I think if he was a bad critic, we wouldn't even, you know, bring him up. We would just be like, exactly. Like, we would have him on the yeah. pay no mind list. Um, yeah. Recalling Benjamin Button makes the killer even more disheartening. A wind up toy that strains to make a dull character seem interesting in order to pull the rug out from the viewer's feet with the wholesome reminder that he's a social net negative. Fincher is in a down phase, which is fine. He's young in director years. And he'll find a new mode of production, a new inspiration. That I do not like because <laughs> it implies that he has not matured at all since then, which I think is very clear that he has. And uh, what, what rug is being pulled in fucking this movie? That's what I thought. The rug yeah. and Benjamin Button is that they're doing Hurricane Katrina. <laughs> Damn. I need, I need uh, to watch that. No, Benjamin, about, he's not doing it. But uh, the, the twist is that he's George Bush and that he did Katrina. Yeah. And then Kanye West comes on screen and it's a very confrontational <laughs> ending. And Mike Myers is there for some reason. It's very strange. Ben Kingsley, no, uh, the Indian garb from The Love Guru. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a crazy movie. And Ben Kingsley, the Indian garb from the new Wes Anderson show. <laughs> I, again, I need to check that out. He's a two-timer, baby. (laughs) (laughs) The way, I don't know, we're reading too much into like one sentence, but it's like, I don't feel like any rugs being pulled. People say this, but I'm not watching the killer. I'm like, 
oh, he's so cool. It's like he kind of lives a, like he eats like uh, gas station boiled eggs and he just listens to his iPod all day. I guess it's not that yeah. bad, but it's like, it's not as kind of just like me, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> True. I don't want to. I don't want to. For all the killers out there, I don't want to. The Smiths, McDonald's, <laughs> white transit vans. I don't know. This guy's very much living my Los Angeles lifestyle of just like going into a fucking storage facility and loading up a white Ford transit van with tools while bumping the Smiths. That's uh, that's me. All right, eating McDonald's breakfast. He's, he slides something off that sandwich, or maybe he takes off the top bun of it. He's or protein something. maxing. Yeah, he's, he's protein yeah. maxing. Yeah, that's because I know some people just slide off the meat because they just want an egg and cheese. You know, he wants to go to like, like fast food places, like places where there's a lot of customers, so he doesn't get like yeah. recognized. So it's kind of like we the diet he eats is like the healthiest you could have. You know, while being like a mask by eating like fast food and gas station food exclusively. Yeah, he's eating like the Starbucks uh protein box, like the boiled egg or whatever from there. And yeah. you know, those drinks and the the McDonald's breakfast sandwich with one bun missing for caloric reasons. Yeah, and you know what? He's just a he's a good man. <laughs> uh JT, have you seen anything recently that's worth reporting on? I'm doing a little festival rewind again cuz I want to talk about a movie I feel like I didn't get to speak enough on, and it was uh, Kubi uh, by Takeshi Kitano. I haven't seen many uh, Takeshi Kitano movies, but I have a general idea based off of Fireworks and Kubi, and just like, I don't know, knowing you hear stuff. Mm -hmm. I know he does like comedies, gangster movies. And then is there a mix of some other like more, more serious stuff? Yeah, as well? some more art house kind of stuff. Yeah, art yeah. house flavor. Well, it's it's really more that he was a comedian, a television comedian, and then parlayed that into being a serious filmmaker who made crime films and art house films like the one we watched, the crime art house film Fireworks. And he also has some absurdist comedies like yeah. Getting Any. But for the most part, it's kind of the the serious crime films, yeah, and yeah. Draw, and serious uh, artsy dramas as well, such yeah. as A Scene of the Sea. Yeah. So I was going into Kubi. I was anticipating something that uh, was in the serious drama element because uh, I know this is a film uh, that he researched uh, very deeply, um, has been trying to get made for very many years. He like wrote a book about it that this is like an adaptation of. And so and it's probably going to be his last movie like he's, he's getting old like uh, it's hard for anyone to make a big movie nowadays even if you're uh, I don't know an acclaimed master and going into this I was like okay it's like serious like historical drama mode especially because it's tackling like a very famous rebellion in Japanese history and uh, it's about Oda Nobunaga is uh i suppose the emperor at the time and he is trying to uh shut down warlords who are just sort of like waging battle trying to carve up his kingdom and uh katano plays like one of uh the higher ranking members on this council here who's sort of doing like wheeling and dealing uh because uh nobunaga uh has like he's having uh, a covert gay relationship uh with one of the dudes involved and there's like a, a gay love triangle uh that again i'm not sure like there are some parts of it there's like where is the like historical like what is the historical accuracy uh but it was apparently i was talking to eli who i saw at the movies saw it together a uh, five poison kid um, and he knew more Japanese history than I did and was able to lay it down uh, where apparently you're telling me Eli knows about Japanese stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was telling me that like it, it was very uh, surprising because that uh, uh, Nobunaga uh, is very revered in Japanese uh, culture. And the way he's portraying him is sort of like bloodthirsty, crazy kind of a guy. Um, one member of his cohort is the like famed black samurai uh, that existed apparently to the like the historical records on that I think are very like loose, uh, but he is portrayed in the film 
Um, and there are some moments where it does lean into like more of a serious kind of a drama stuff, especially with like uh, the queer relationships and the way in which those are sort of like uh, shifted and like there's backstabbing and betrayal for just like power. But it's really fucking funny. There are just like so many beats uh, where like some of the killings are played for comedy. Like there's a hilarious uh, point uh, where Katano is like sort of leading like a big sort of military charge um, and they're going through like water. So since he's he's a big dog, he has his men like carrying him on like poles on this little platform and he's like throwing up because it's like making him sick. And there's it's just like, again, it's juggling these very like strange tones and uh, I love this movie. It's really good. I'm excited for it to get. I mean, I don't know what kind of wide release it's going to get, but I really want to check it out again. Um, I don't know. There's just a whole lot to work with here. There's one really funny uh, subplot about like this peasant uh, that comes to uh, sort of be employed under him that works with a ninja um, doing some sort of like smaller missions. And he's really dead set on becoming a samurai. And like to do that, you need to like get like, head like a samurai and have the samurai's head so he's just trying to like cut off many heads throughout <laughs> this movie uh and that's a i, I mean I, I won't spoil anything but that comes to a very funny end um yeah no again i just i need to check out his other work now to see how this as a potentially like final film how the rest of his work uh informs it but not what I was expecting at all. I can't wait to see that. That's definitely very high on the end of year catch up list. I think is is that the one you offered me an extra ticket to? Or I, I think that I was, just uh, saw evil that. does not exist. Evil does not exist. Yeah, but I remember seeing oh, and that. Might have been this too because yeah, I think this was screening was the last uh, Phillies uh, mm. postseason game, and I was like, I knew. I mean, you saw yeah. uh, Harper in the Sixers jersey. Like, I was like, this is not. <laughs> Specifically I, in the Pat Beverly exactly, Sixers jersey. Exactly. That, is, that is not winning behavior no, right there. It's it's a bad sign. It's fool's watch that's behavior. And I was just like, I, I had already <laughs> skipped Evil Does Not Exist to see a Sixers, or I mean, a, a Phillies playoff loss. And I was like, I'm not doing this again. Kubi is God's path. And I, do, I don't want to suffer. Um, What'd you say, Malcolm? Place your bets? No, no. Uh, you know, you can place your bets, but um, no. I mean, that's that's like literally some some podcaster shit because I think isn't yeah. Pat Beverly's like a a podcaster now for Barstool. So oh I, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. I feel like that's just purely off of the podcast. Is Harper Beverly. a podcaster? No, but that's what I'm. saying. No. He might be a fan. He might be a listener. You know what I mean? Oh. That might be. I don't. I don't know. Just a, a, an alternate angle on the Pat Beverly jersey that might be due to podcast just popularity. A, just a f- podcasting fan. Yeah. <laughs> well, where's I would maybe next uh, next year uh, a Harper will roll up in a, an extended <laughs> clip jersey. Extended oh, clip jersey from. Uh, we're not. We're not getting shirts printed. We're just jerseys. That would be sick. We should get a team. I'm sure all of our uh, all yeah. of our listeners would love to expose their arms and parts of their stomach <laughs> with a basketball jersey. Well, it doesn't have to be. There are plenty of jerseys. We go baseball we jersey. After we go baseball. And we join a baseball jersey. And we join a rec That's expensive. Then that's buttoned yeah. up. You know, unless yeah. you do baseball shirt like a softball rec league. A shirtsy. We should sponsor. Shirtsy. I like the shirtsy. We should sponsor like a little league team, like the extended yeah. clips, like extended hey. clippers. <laughs> the extended clippers. And they all have like jerseys. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> Bad news bears style. Malcolm's driving around a bunch of kids with a bucket of beer in the front oh, seat. The extended clip jersey would be so sick. It just you'd have a gun yeah. on, on the front. That'd be awesome. We need a team. Crypto.com on the sleeve. I want to like yeah, a team. For some reason, I don't think a little league would allow a gun on the uniform. But you know that would be pretty sick to have <laughs> ours stand out, be the real comp, like menacing to the competition. You well, know? Or a uh, podcasting like softball league, like uh, oh, we would pair up with the sleezoids. Yeah. Maybe, uh, yeah. yeah, I guess a podcast softball, you would have to put together like fucking eight podcasts to make a team, you know, yeah. it would make more sense to do like a three on three basketball tournament. <laughs> there needs to be like a national podcasters banquet where everyone who has a podcast 
gets to meet up and talk uh, discussion, <laughs> business, all that, that stuff. That is a dangerous and, place. And you end with a softball game. Yeah, there's activity, basket. There's tons <laughs> of sports. You know what I mean? Uh, shuffleboard, whatever you want to do. Three-legged race. <laughs> Pin the tail on the donkey. That's how I bury the hatchet with <laughs> podcasters that I've made fun of over the years is do the three-legged race with them, earn trust. At the end of the night, Andy Kindler's going to come out and do like a roast. It's like, he, the state of podcasting, people. Like, uh, I'm there with like Louis Che Gomez and we have to get like a, a key out of a whipped cream pie for like an obstacle course. <laughs> Pick like banquet activities. It might It might breed good things. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Banquet activities always breeds good things. <laughs> Just little competitions and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, did you see anything recently that you wanted to talk about? No, I did not. Ah, we'll be right back on Extended Clip. <laughs> and we're back on Extended Clip. It is the email segment, everybody's favorite segment. Extended Clip Podcast at gmail.com. Write us, you write it, we read it. Tell us, uh, you know, what you think of the show. Well, eh, not really, but uh, <laughs> tell us what your favorite segment is. I- is it the email segment or Malcolm in the Middle? That's a that, that's a feeler I'm putting out there, you know. Um, but anyway, our first one comes from Jay, and it says new wardrobe. Recently, my favorite account on any social media site is an Instagram called Romare Fits. They just post screenshots of the characters' outfits from various Romare films. The man could dress himself and others as well as he could direct films like Howard Hawks before him and Wes Anderson after. So my question to the boys is, if you could pick one director to be your personal stylist, who would it be? Thanks, Jake. Wow, that is a great question. JT, you are known as the stylish one of the group. My mother has said so uh, oh, because we recorded the first few episodes at her house. When I say few, I mean 80. What, what, what are your thoughts on this question? Um, I do. Romare Fitz in general? I do follow the Romare Fitz Instagram account. Uh, I like the Romare Fitz. I mean, I'm wearing a turtleneck as we speak. Uh, so we I, did talk about the major plot point of uh, is it love in the afternoon? Yeah, buying turtlenecks. Buying that. turtlenecks <laughs> as like a big afternoon activity in that movie. Uh, yeah, and I mean just in general, I aim towards things that are kind of a retro style. Yeah. So like something like Romare. Again, I feel like that fits uh, well and is definitely something I would go for. I was trying to think outside of the box uh, for this question, <laughs> and my mind was just drawn to the amazing Bollywood fits. Mm. So I would say someone like Farrah Khan, mm-hmm. I feel like she could cook up like an insane, like just elaborate outfit for me. Yeah. Like I would just love like just Om Shanti Om style, just glitz, like just like I'm showing up here to record the next episode in a golden suit. Think pieces being written about JT's outfits. Not, not like, not the way you're thinking, not that type of, I'm not showing up like I'm dressed for an Indian wedding. (laughs) Like, uh, she, she is tastefully styling me for, uh, a dress that apparently has to be Western or else I'm appropriated. It's like, uh, he's going to be looking like Adam Sandler in murder mystery too. If you've got, if anyone's seen that, people didn't give him (laughs) trouble for that. So yeah, it'll be tasteful. Yeah, I was thinking Dennis Dugan would be a nice stylist. He'd make me comfortable. <laughs> I was, I, my joke was going to be like, "Well, I already do do that," and Dennis Dugan is my personal stylist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dennis Dugan and Kevin Smith are my two personal stylists. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny to like imply that like Dennis Dugan's like, "Yeah, get that blue T-shirt. I w- I really need that blue T-shirt instead of that gray T-shirt." On Sandler, you know what I mean? Just like he's really no, into those the jeans work. looking comfortable. Basketball shorts, yeah. basketball shorts. What have you learned? Nothing. <laughs> Who put these khaki shorts in Mr. Sandler's uh, dressing room? You're in big trouble. No, I, I joke. But if I really did want to dress like any director or have them style me, it would probably be Spike Lee. Ooh, okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. I, oh, I, I, I like it. I, I, I would like if you dressed like that. I think like, it's like, like cool. Michael Rappaport mode. Well, you, like you got, like JT was saying, you Again, don't go tasteful. overboard. With it. That's tasteful. the joke I'm making, guys. That I'm Michael Rappaporting <laughs> from Bamboozled. Um, <laughs> I just mean in real life. <laughs> That's the same thing. 
You know what's funny? That that review that I, that popped up of like Glenn Clenny or I can't even. Yeah, that's his name. Glenn. Glenn Clenny. Glenn, Glenn Close. Uh, Glenn Kenny. Glenn. Glenn. Glenn Kenny. Close. Glenn Close. Close. Glenn Clenny. Glenn Close. <laughs> Coffee is for Glenn Kenny's. Look <laughs> that Glenn Kenny down. <laughs> Glenn Clenny, Glenn Close is amazing. I'm, I'm sorry I kind of stepped on that. That's amazing. <laughs> um, what are these leads? These are Glenn Kenny articles? <laughs> You're giving me Glenn Kenny articles? There's like that review of like Midnight Marauders that I guess someone pulled up. He's like, Tribe Called Quest promised to be different from other rappers and not rap about women and street stuff and like they betrayed this <laughs> promise on midnight marauders and it's like i don't <laughs> i don't remember it being like that either like that's such a yeah. insane take um so i yeah i don't know if glenn glenn's listening to any of the that album has like electric relaxation <laughs> on it like <laughs> yeah he's just mad because someone had sex like so it's implied that someone had sex on the album he's like what the hell guys you dropped your core what fan are base. you doing <laughs> um as for the question you know, I my mind immediately went to like I want to dress like a giallo villain. You know what I mean? Like I always feel Ooh. like the villain, and I I feel like that's up JT's alley. Like because it is retro mostly. You know what I mean? You're mostly also JT could rock like a really long nasty coat, like, yeah, like a giallo villain. Oh, J- yeah. JT would be a perfect giallo villain. Like he he would be great. <laughs> like you have the body <laughs> type know, for yeah. flashing someone in a body length coat. Like and you're either flashing someone or revealing a weapon. Exactly. Like, yeah. I have gotten flasher in the big trench coat I came in today many times. <laughs> um, Wait, not not. They, they said I look <laughs> like on, a flasher. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, all right, all right. I've I've dug myself <laughs> into a hole. I'm not getting out. I'm not getting out. That is it is a semantics shame. out there. Semantics heads out there going crazy. Flashers really did ruin trench coats. You know what I mean? And I guess other like school shooters stuff like or stuff like that. So that it's, yeah, flashers totally ruined shooting people up at schools. <laughs> <laughs> that one guy did it naked. It's like it's not a sex thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no but in all seriousness r.i.p there's, no, there's nothing funny about showing your dick <laughs> yeah. we've had a lot of fun tonight but there's nothing funny about the male penis yeah there's yeah don't flash that's that's that that is a lame activity don't go around flashing people man that's not right um so I guess Mario Bava, I, or shooting up schools. <laughs> yeah, that too, I mean, yeah, don't do that. I, it should go without saying. Yeah, exactly. Some of these knuckleheads listening, you know. Yeah, put the guns down. Stop the violence. Come on, um, come on now. Yeah, <laughs> come on. It's a no-brainer. Hatchet for the honeymoon. For some reason, I think that's what it's called by Mario Bava. I remember just uh, the villains' outfits just being very insane in that, and kind of like uh, I think it was Stephen Forsyth or Forsyth, however you say his name, he's kind of has like a Patrick Bateman uh, light quality going on. Like just, a, you know, I guess he is killing people, but kind of like they they have a, a point, like they have a fashion scene for him, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, Bava, he did a Blood and Black Lace, which is set um, in a fashion house. So he's... You want to wear the black lace? <laughs> I want to wear the blood, JT. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> But he's, I mean, he's just a... I, I want to hang out with some of the mannequins from that movie. <laughs> sure. Some of those, the way he styles those mannequins, it's like, they're almost like real women. You're like, you could hang out with them and it's like pretty close. <laughs> no um, one would know. Yeah. No one, it's like pretty close. Like, you know? Um, so that's, that's something to consider. But uh, yeah, I guess I kind of cheated there because I, black late, like blood and black lace, it has like a piece of clothing in the title. So maybe that's where my mind went, but they do dress well in his movies. I think he's a good example. I agree. I agree. Um, I think that's going to do it for this episode of extended clip. Uh, it was very nice to talk to you this week. Please do sign up for the Patreon. $5 a month gets you an extra episode every week. Our most recent one was on the departed and our next one will be on. I don't know. But we'll see. 
It'll be good. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Uh, unless you guys have anything else to say before we wrap up here. Uh, I actually wait, wait, one more thing. Okay. A little more advertising. You know, Patreon. There's this fifteen dollar tier. If you pay fifteen dollars a month, you get to choose a movie for us to review. So something to consider. Something maybe maybe Zach Braff directorial effort. True. If you you can't you cannot put the first season of Scrubs. You cannot put the first season of Scrubs. Lobbying for people to donate at the fifteen dollar level for Garden State I'm specifically. I'm saying they could. There's a world of possibility. We announced it on another episode already, but if you don't know, uh, yeah. So if you do that, we get to pick the movie. It's called the Extended Clip Executive Decision. We they get to pick the movie. We get to pick the movie every episode. That is very true. That's a very important <laughs> distinction, JT. Thank you for holding me accountable. Um, if you donate at the $15 level, you get to pick a movie. And uh, yeah, so... Coming up soon, we have Mysteries of Lisbon, uh, picked by our executive producer, tier donor, Laura Covis, and we may have a guest, returning champion Ryan Swen, on that episode. Uh, I think we're trying to lock it. Talk up. about bang for your buck, and a get they got a guest out of that request. That that naturally yeah. it happened. So your investment could go a long way. Your investment could, and trust me, if you get two people to invest. <laughs> And they each get two people to invest. Listen, I don't have to get a job next month. <laughs> Listen, if, you, if all the money you give us, we're going to double it back 10, 10 times full. You know what I mean? Like 10 times. It's an investment. Give it. Give us five years. We're going to double your money. All right. So just my mouth is an investment property. I just realized how horrible that sounded. <laughs> but it's true. I it's meant true. my voice. I meant my voice. That mouth, too. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. I do not like where this is going. <laughs>